We're going to ask you to open your Bibles to two openings. First of all, into the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, and then the 5th chapter of the book of Ephesians. Now, here in the 12th chapter of Romans, the 11th verse, Paul writing to the saints at Rome, and he addresses this letter to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And it applies to all that be in Tulsa, Broken Arrow, or wherever you are from. Beloved of God and called to be saints. And in this 11th verse, he said to the saints, not slowful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. I want you to notice the statement there, fervent in spirit. Now then turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we see Paul, who wrote those words to the Romans, or the saints in Rome, writing to the saints at Ephesus. And he says to them, Wherefore, 17th verse first, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, you stop there for a moment and folks would say, Well, I wonder what His will is. I must not be wise because I don't understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I want you to notice that, you know, Paul didn't write either one of these letters to the Romans or the Ephesians either in chapter and verses. Man divided it in chapter and verses. And so he goes right on to tell you what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that you be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is the will of God for us. Now, in this verse here in Romans, where he speaks about being fervent in spirit. Well, in the first place, you couldn't be fervent in spirit without being filled with the Holy Spirit. But I notice a number of different translations read a little differently and make it more clear. Another translation says, be glowing in spirit. Another translation said, have your spirits aglow. Another translation said, on fire with the Spirit, or be aglow with the Spirit. Now you see both the Holy Spirit and your Spirit's involved here. I like this translation better than any of them. It said, maintain the glow. Maintain the glow. God wants us to maintain the glow. Or in other words, keep filled with the Spirit. 
Be not drunk with wine where it is is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul wrote that to the saints at Ephesus. Now, isn't that strange that he would write that to people who have been filled with the Holy Ghost? Because you read in the 19th chapter of Acts that Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said, Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, We've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, Unto whose baptism were you baptized? They said, John's. See, John baptized in water, telling them to believe on him that should come after him. These folks here hadn't heard that Jesus had come. Now he tells them about Jesus having come and died and rose from the dead and ascended on high. And what they had a promissory note on through John could now become a reality in their lives. And the scripture said in the sixth verse that Paul laid his hands on them and that they received the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues and prophesied. And he's writing to these Pentecostal people and saying to them, Be filled with the Spirit. And Greek scholars tell us that in the Greek there's a play on the word here that, that literally means, but be being filled. A constant experience. In other words, maintain the glow. Maintain the glow. Well, first of all, this kind of an experience is recognizable. It must be, for he said, be fervent in spirit, or he said, maintain the glow. If it wasn't recognizable, you wouldn't know whether he was maintaining it or not. Not only this, but he said, be filled with the spirit. If it's not recognizable, they wouldn't know whether it's filled or not. Besides that, you go back a little further here in the Acts of the Apostles into the sixth chapter. And the Word of God tells us that in those days the number of the disciples multiplied and they arose a little murmuring because they had all things common. And so the disciples, the apostles said, Look ye out seven men. Now notice this. I want you to get it. Look ye out seven men of honest report. Well, is an honest report recognizable? Somebody would say, you know about somebody, well, I don't know whether we ought to put him in or not. You know, he owes everybody in the country. I mean, he just beats his debts. Besides that, you know, you can't trust him. That's not an honest report. But the report that you get is quite obvious whether people are honest or not. It is recognizable. So he said of honest report, and then secondly, full of the Holy Ghost. And then third, he said, wisdom. Now, the thing about it is, a lot of times when people select people for offices, and these evidently were the first deacons, but it would go for any office, I think, in the church. I mean, sometimes they just focus in on being filled with the Holy Ghost or the fact that one time they did get filled with the Holy Ghost. They forget about the honest report and forget about wisdom. Amen. But you need all three of them. Not one are, but all of them. Look ye out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Well, being full of the Holy Ghost must be recognizable, or how would they know to, who would they know to select? 
Well, how can you recognize? Oh, somebody said, well, I heard them speak with tongues. That's when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, of course, they may continue to speak with other tongues. But you need to realize this, that there are some marks, characteristics given to us here in this portion of Scripture concerning those that are filled with the Spirit are telling us how to maintain the globe. Notice this, that first of all, that spiritual health is just as observable or recognizable as physical health. It's easy to recognize when somebody doesn't feel well physically, isn't it? It'll show on their face. It'll show in their actions. It'll show in their reactions and everything about them. Easy to discern when a person is not feeling well physically and not in physical health. The same thing is true spiritually. It's very recognizable. I remember a number of years ago when I first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and came into the Pentecostal movement. I was reading a message by one of the pioneers of the Pentecostal movement and he made mention of the fact that some years before he was pastor of a church and a returned missionary was to speak in his church. And in those days, people traveled primarily by train. Since then, we traveled by plane. So he went to the train station to get this returned missionary. They had, uh, had in years past, now the missionary had been on the missionary field for several years. But in times past, you see, they had been in close fellowship with one another. So he picked up the return missionary, and they started toward his, where he was going to stay, actually going to stay in the home with them, the parsonage. And the missionary, he said, suddenly turned to him and said, what's wrong? He said, what do you mean what's wrong? He said, something's wrong with your spiritual health. You don't have the glow you used to have. He wasn't maintaining the glow, you see. He discerned right away, spiritually, something's wrong. What's the matter? Oh, he said nothing's wrong. Yes, he said there is too. Yes, there is. Something's the matter. Well, he said we got to the parsonage and God began to deal with me. So I went and knocked on his door and said, may I come into his bedroom? And he said, come in. And I went and said, you, you said to me... uh You're not where you ought to be spiritually. Something's the matter with your spiritual health. And I said there wasn't, but I I repented, I must tell you. He said, you see, for a number of years, in fact, when you left, there's quite a large city, when you left, mine's the only full gospel, only Pentecostal church in this city. But another man came in, wouldn't even call him brother, another man came in and started a church across the city. Come in on my territory. See, he had lost out with God because he let a little something get into his spirit. And, and so this missionary said, my, my, my. There's several hundred thousands of people. What? Six, seven hundred thousand in this city? Well, the pastor said, since you've left and been gone, we've grown since then. I guess there's about a million in the metropolitan area here. And one little old church. And you were griping and fussing. 
and have lost out with God and lost the glow. Because somebody came, you know, and started another church. You ought to be glad. You ought to pray some more in here. And this pastor said, before we had the first service, that missionary, I got in my car and went across town and, and, and apologized to this pastor and said, come fellowship with us. And let's start another church here in this city. And both of us, you see, began to maintain the glow and the blessings of God fell upon them mightily. I said that to say to you, it is discernible. And that missionary discerned right away that that man, now why? Well, first of all, he didn't have that glow. He didn't have what Paul talks about here. Notice what he said, that one of the characteristics and one of the marks of being filled with the Spirit is an overflowing testimony. Remember that the 23rd Psalm belongs to us. If it doesn't, well, let's quit quoting it. Leave it alone. But we're living in the 23rd Psalm now. Because, you see, the Lord is our shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. (laughs) My cup's half full. No, He anoints my head with oil and my cup's running over. When your cups are running over, you've got an overflowing testimony. Amen. Hallelujah. My cup runneth over. And so, notice what he said here. He said here, be filled with the Spirit. Now notice, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, if you're filled with the Spirit... If you're maintaining the glow, you've got a song in your heart. Hallelujah. And remember this, the Bible said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If it's in there, it's going to come out. And if it's not coming out, it's just not in there. Amen. There's a song on the inside. Paul said that if we're filled, we're singing. Be filled with the Spirit, singing. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing. Everybody say singing. Singing. I mean, even we folks that can't carry a tune, bless God. Because we're filled with the Spirit, we're singing. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got a singing heart. Singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? In other words, you got a song on the inside. And if you maintain the glow, and if you keep filled with the Spirit, nothing can stop you from singing. I mean, it may seem that you've just got the worst news that you could ever get. Your best friend died. Your mother-in-law's coming to live with you forever. <laughs> And some other tragedy is happening. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you're singing. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're singing. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maintain the song. Glory to God. Nothing can stop you from singing. Glory to God. You'll laugh right in the face of the devil. You'll laugh and sing and be happy. 
not because of it, but right in the face of circumstances. That would throw ordinary people. Amen. But we're not ordinary people. We're spirit-filled people. We're supernatural people. That supernatural means we're beyond the natural. The natural doesn't affect us like it does folks living in the natural. It doesn't pull us down. It doesn't get us down. Hallelujah. We maintain. We maintain the glow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Right in the midst of adverse circumstances. Sure, I think sometimes folks that didn't get it from me, because I've never preached it, but, but some folks, maybe we haven't put the emphasis where it should sometimes in the so-called faith message, and some people think, you know, if you believe God, that you, nothing's ever going to happen bad. You know, that you're just going to float through life on flowery beds of ease, float down the stream of time on flowery beds of ease. I tell you, if you live for God, sometimes you've got to swim upstream. <laughs> Not just float downstream, brother. You've got to swim upstream. Everything else is going the opposite way. Amen. It's not always easy. I remember when God called me away from my church out on the field and field ministry in 1949 and 1950 and years afterwards. But in those first few years, you know, uh, God told me for a while just to stay in the churches. I'm out to obey God. Amen. And, and so I stayed in the churches, in what we call church meetings or revival meetings. And I remember one particular minister, he, he asked me to come and hold him a meeting. And I thought, dear Lord, I don't want to go hold that man a meeting. I heard him say at a convention, Oh, you know, right in front of everybody. Criticize people that ministered the way I did. And for doing some things that I did. The very idea, he said. I said, don't he know I, I minister like that? Lord, I don't want to go because I'm going to plow his field crossways. When I get there, you know, he's been making furs up and down this way. And I'm going to make furs up and down this way. I, 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 surely you don't want me to go. Yeah, the Lord said, I want you to go. Oh, dear Lord, I said, don't send me there, please. I mean, just anywhere, but, but don't, I don't want to go there. Now, that man's an older minister. He's all, well, I guess he is old enough. Well, it's old enough to be my daddy. And, and, and he's, and, and, and uh, I just don't want to go. But the more I prayed, the more the Lord said, yeah, you go. I said, all right, I'm going. And so I went. Well, I had a young man and his wife who were graduates of Southwestern Assemblies of God College, and they helped me. They, uh, she played, and he sang, lead singing. They'd sing specials, and so on and so forth. And so they said after it, we wondered when you was going to get off on some subjects that you usually get on. Because we knew him, you see, he used to be my wife's pastor. And I just put it off as long as I could. <laughs> Finally, I couldn't put it off any longer. So I started to announce that I'd be speaking along a certain line on a certain night. And so that night, this young man and his wife, usually they'd sit on the plant ground because they're building food, but they got off. They had somebody saving some seats down in front. And they got down there. They told me, I said, we wanted to get down there because we wanted to see the pastor's face. 
So he's sitting right there behind you. Now, now, now you, you, you think it's, boy, <laughs> it, it's the most difficult thing in the world to preach. Faith and the pastor sitting on the platform breathing the hot breath of unbelief down your back. I mean, you, you don't even have to look back there. You can just feel something. It's tough sledding. But that's what, that, that's what does you good, toughens you up. Paul said to Timothy, a young minister, endure hardness. It's easy enough to endure easiness. Oh yeah, you don't have to endure that. As long as it's easy, it's fine to maintain the glow. Amen? But endure hardness. Endure hardness. Endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just kept plowing. I knew I was, I, I knew I was just going right across his, his, his furs. I, he'd been making them this way and I'm making them this way. I just kept going. Just kept preaching. I could feel that behind me. I didn't dare turn to look. And then you could see it on the face of the crowd because they're watching their pastor. And I just kept plowing for about 40 minutes. Just kept going. And I don't mean that's the only time that ever happened. It happened to me all the time. And uh, finally, after about 40 minutes, he come alive back there. Suddenly he said, Amen. He just jumped up to me. Amen. Bless God. Folks said, Brother Hagin's right. Bless God, that's right. He's right. But you think that was easy? No, you got to maintain the glow, though. Praise God. Amen. I remember another place I was preaching. Here's a man, too. He's old enough to be my daddy. I mean, he's a leader in the movement. I just kept plowing. I knew I was plowing his field crossways. Finally, he jumped his feet. I didn't know whether he was going to stop me or throw me out. What he was going to do? He said, folks, I want everybody to know I've been wrong. Brother Higgins plowed me under. <laughs> he's right. He's right. This other pastor said, the very idea... The very idea of calling people out, you know, and telling them they got a hernia or a rupture. Why don't you know that, uh, that God would heal them differently, you know? So that very night, that very night, here was a man, he told me that he is a, he is the finest Christian that he had ever seen. Man, 80 some odd years of age. And this man that was talking to me is 50 some odd. He had pastored for about 35 years. And this man is the finest Christian. And I just pointed to him. That's one way, one way I plowed him under. That's, I just pointed to that older gentleman, because I didn't know him other than the pastor that introduced me to him. And I said, the Lord shows me you have a double hernia. You've been operated on twice and it broke out again. You have a double rupture. If I'm wrong, say so. No, he said, you're right. I said, he told me to come down here and I'd lay hands on you and both of them would disappear instantly. And they did. And I remember this pastor who was so against all that. He got up the next night and told his guy, said, folks, listen to you. I want, I want you to hear me. I've been wrong. Brother Hagin's right. If he calls you out, you just come trotting down here. And if he calls me out, I'll just come trotting down here. But now you think that's easy? No, no, no. But you've got to maintain the glow. I said, you've got to maintain the glow. Amen. You've got to be fervent in the Spirit. Amen. Praise God. And if you do, you're going, no matter what happened, no matter what the circumstances are, 
You've got a song. Hallelujah. Now, let's notice the second mark. Notice this. Giving thanks always for a few things, if it suits you. All things under God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you see, you're not thanking God for what the devil's doing, but in the midst of it, you can thank God for his goodness. You can thank God that this is another opportunity to believe Him. This is another opportunity to exercise my faith. This is another opportunity to believe God. Now notice that. Second mark is full of thanksgiving and praise. Number one, full of song, singing. Number two, full of thanksgiving and praise. Giving thanks always for all things under God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Bible do I find that God tells Christian people to grumble and gripe and complain and fuss. No, He tells them to give thanks. Yeah, but they don't ever recognize me. Well, thank God for it. They never even ask me to sing a special song. Well, thank God for it. They never even ask me to serve as an usher. Well, thank God for it. Amen. Giving thanks for all things. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching real good. <laughs> no, you see, too many times folks want to be seen and heard. They want to sing a special song. Maybe they couldn't sing a lick in the road. <laughs> you ought to thank God they didn't ask you. I'll get embarrassed. <laughs> I notice they never do ask me to sing. Of course, if anybody ever heard me, you'd understand. I don't sing unless everybody else is, and then I do just what the Bible said, make a joyful noise. Amen. I even took voice lessons one time. The voice teacher said to me, I've been teaching, I think he said, voice 39 years. I never have told anybody till now. If I was you, I believe I'd quit. Amen. That's about the only thing you'll ever hear me say I can't do. I just can't sing. Well, they don't ever ask me to do anything. Well, thank God for it. No matter what happens, maintain a thankful attitude. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to praise God regardless. I've said for a good many years, if they tell on me that I killed my grandma, I'm not even going to take time to deny it. I'm just going to say praise the Lord and go on worshiping God. I remember we were holding a crusade in California, oh, what was it, about four years ago. And Ken called and said our house had been burglarized. The first thing I said was praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen, that's exactly right. That's the first thing I said. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, other than a few things that's sentimental value to you that you'd hate to lose and not get back, as far as things are concerned, you know, I knew I'd get more, probably twice as much. Amen. I'm not going to let anything steal my joy. Amen. I just refuse to do it. Praise God. 
and I'm going to praise God whether I feel like it or not. The Bible talks about offering up the sacrifice of praise. Amen. But you know one thing about it, you stay filled with the Holy Ghost, and it's the easiest thing in the world, just automatic. Now then, notice this. That uh, he said in the next verse, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submission indicates a broken and an humble spirit. It's easy when you're filled with the Spirit to submit to the other fellow. Some people believe in submission 100% as long as the other fellow submits to me. (laughs) But the Bible said submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Now notice that. Submitting yourselves one to another. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about believers. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that's easy to do. When you're maintaining the glow, you're not so hard to get along with. Submitting means giving in to one another. Some people said, well, I've got my my say-so and I'm going to have it. Might be better if you just keep your mouth shut sometimes, not say anything, even if you do have your say-so. Amen. And you know, you can read the next verse there when it said, Wives, submit yourselves and your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, that's the same expression in use, using in us submitting ourselves to one another. Now, what do you mean? He's talking about giving in to one another. He's not talking about ruling over one another. He's not talking about the husband, you know, ruling over his wife with an iron fist, so to speak any more than he's talking about us submitting to one another and one another ruling over one another. He's talking about us getting along with one another. Amen? He's talking about us being teachable. I've said for years, you've heard me say it, you particularly you students and and those who come to school and alumni and graduates and so on and so forth. I'm, among other ministries, I'm a teacher. That's one of my gifts. I said I wouldn't listen to a teacher that wasn't willing to be taught. We need to make all of us need to maintain a teachable spirit. Amen. I'm always willing to learn. I don't like that kind of a know-it-all spirit. I'm right and everybody else is wrong. You can't tell me anything. Well, I tell you, you're liable to wind up dead prematurely. Because God may have a message for you. I remember one time the Lord sent me to a certain church. And again, I said, Lord, I don't want to go there. He said, I want you to go. I said, why do you want me to go? He said, that pastor's going to die. And he's only 43 years old. He's not old enough to die. And if he'll listen to you, if he'll be in those morning teaching classes and listen to you as you teach the Word, and we'll, we'll put it into practice, he'll not die. He'll live. So I went. Well, he's busy. You know we can be too busy and by the same token not be teachable because we're too busy. We haven't got time to listen. He's busy. He's got a daily radio program. He's building a new church. He never come to a, in his church to, uh, and he invited me to come. Not to one single day service. 
not to one single service. And finally his wife said to me, Brother Hagin, uh, talk to my husband. Think about that. Talk to the pastor and see if you can get him to come to these day services. Isn't that strange? Talk to a pastor and see if you can get him to come to his own services. I'm not just there putting on a meeting. I'm there holding a meeting for him. Just a guest. Well, I kept after him. But he's so busy. We finally got over into the third week. And, and I asked her, I said, oh, why, why do you want to get him? Just see what's seen you into these services. She said, Brother Hagin, he's going to die. I said, how do you know he's going to die? He's only 42 years old, not old enough to die. She said, I, I can't tell you how I know it. Just know it on the inside. Just an inward conviction. Then I told her what the Lord told me. I mean, the word of the Lord came unto me, said. She said, That's, it's right, and I know it don't have to happen. She said, you know, we're both ordained ministers. We, we never would listen to anybody else. Through all of these years, we just thought we know as much as anybody. We never would listen to anybody else. That's not submitting one to another. That, that's not having a teachable spirit. Talk to him. Talk to him. Didn't do any good. Finally, we went out to eat on Wednesday after morning service, or the third week. We don't have but two more day services. We've already had 13, you see, three weeks. This is the third week. We've only had 13 hours of teaching that he missed on the subject of faith and healing. And so we went out and we were sitting here in the restaurant eating. And I began to talk to him, you know. I thought, well, if I can get him into two services, maybe I can get something in him. And finally, I just got down to the nitty-gritty. Got desperate. I said to him, just blurted out loud. I said to him, did you know you're going to die? And you're only 43 years old. You're not old enough to die. He said, I know it. I know I'm going to die. I said, how do you know it? He said, just an inward witness. Just, you know, everybody's got that. I told him, I said, the Lord told me. That's why he wanted me to come here. You asked me to come. But he told me why he wanted me to come. That you were going to die and that you didn't have to if you'd come and listen to the Word and put it into practice. And you know what he said to me? I'm talking about not having a teachable spirit. He said to me, Brother Hagin, I know God led me to ask you to come. I wanted my people to hear you. I know you're right. My wife's coming every day. And she tells me as best she can. I know what your teaching's right. But he said, you see... I'd have to admit that I'm wrong and you're right, and I'd just rather go ahead and die than admit I'm wrong. When he said that to me, it's just like somebody standing behind me. The Holy Ghost said to me, now this is Wednesday at noon, and we're going to close the meeting, you see, Sunday night. We've already got it announced, and I'm leaving. I'm going to start another meeting Tuesday night over in another city a hundred miles away. And the Lord said to me, he'll fall dead in his pulpit Sunday night week. And you know he did just exactly that? He fell dead in his pulpit Sunday night week. Now why? He wasn't teachable. He didn't have a submissive spirit. You say, was he lost? No, thank God he made heaven. But he missed God's best. Did you hear me? He missed God's... I'll tell you I want God's best, don't you? I'm not satisfied with second best. I'm not satisfied with second best. Teachable spirit. Uh, uh, is a submissive spirit. I wouldn't listen to a teacher not willing to be taught. Thank God I'll tell you I'm willing to be taught. Now you can bring the Word sometime. I I mean, I'm not talking just your ideas. You know, I'm not out just accept somebody's idea. But I'll tell you when they can bring me the Word of God and bring me light 
and revelation on the Word of God, I'm ready to walk in the light of it. I don't mean some far-fetched something that they dreamed up or taking some isolated text out of its setting and out of its context and try to prove something. You can take verses of Scripture out of the context and make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Now, I'm not talking about that. But you can bring the Word of God to people. I mean tongue-talking people. People who have been filled with the Holy Ghost and they get offended. We ought to have a teachable spirit. We ought to be able to say, well, maybe I didn't understand him correctly. You see, by not having a teachable spirit, we can miss sometimes some good things that God would bring us. I remember I was hearing a minister speak one time, or was in the service listening to him speak. And so he said some things, because I could see right away that he wasn't necessarily uh, up to date on some things. But on the other hand, I may not be up to date on some things. Amen? I could see that he wasn't up to par, perhaps, on the so-called faith message. And he made, a, you know, a derogatory remark. Well, I could have gotten offended and could have closed my mind and shut him off right there. But you see, I just stayed open and just gave him the benefit of the doubt and said he probably, because I've done it myself, he probably didn't mean that the way he said it. Amen. And it wasn't ten minutes... I don't believe it's over five minutes. There was a spiritual question that I'd been wrestling with for, I guess, 20 years. And it wasn't over five or ten minutes till he answered that question. The Holy Ghost through him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I thought after it, what if I'd have closed my mind? What if I'd just shut him off? I still wouldn't have known. But God was able to, through him, bring me revelation. Hallelujah. I tell the students... And this will be the 13th year I've told him. I pastored another 12 years. You can disagree without being disagreeable. I pastored another 12 years. And after I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and came over in Pentecostal circles, you know, you just do things whether God's in it or whether it's not, because that's the way they do it. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, everybody just sort of had a revival every three months, whether you need it or not, whether God's in it or not. So we had one every three months. I mean, a guest speaker at least two weeks, sometimes three, four, five. And, and, and then another three months, we'd have another. And, and one year we had five, so you got four at least every year. Special speakers coming in to ministers, you see, to preach. And then a lot of times others would come in, preach for you, you know, on the weekend or something, you know. Well, you, you figure that up over a 12-year period. If you just had four guest speakers... Over a 12-year period, well, you see, that would be 48. Well, we had more than that. And you know what? I never did agree 100% with a single one of them. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. I didn't necessarily agree with a lot that they preached in my pulpit. But I didn't jump up and say, now you're all wrong. What about that? Let me straighten you out. No. In fact, the one fella that I disagreed the most on, because see, in the daytime then, because we only had night service, in the daytime, uh, we would discuss scriptures. And uh, the one person, the one minister that I disagreed the most with, we had, from the standpoint of getting the most people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, we had the best revival of all, the whole 12 years, I guess. 
And I still disagree with him. But now some of them, some of them that I disagreed with, a year or two later, I grew enough spiritually that I agreed with them. I saw they was right and I was wrong. Some of them I never did agree with. Still don't. But that don't mean that they're a bad person. Just because they don't believe every little old thing just like I do. That don't mean they're not my brother. Amen? Amen. That don't mean they're not a Christian. That don't mean they're not going to heaven when they die. If God waits till everybody gets perfect in every avenue of their life and all of their spiritual growth and all of their knowing before He can use you, they won't any of us ever be used. I always took great comfort and encouragement from the Scriptures how that God used a donkey (laughs) to arrest Balaam. And I thought, surely if he could use a donkey, he could use me. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Well, how can we keep filled with the Spirit? Yeah, we're going to keep speaking with other tongues, singing and making a melody in our heart all right. Surely, surely we are. But there are two important things here. Number one, we must maintain a bold testimony. Did you ever notice in the Acts of the Apostles, and while I'm talking, now turn back first to the fourth chapter of Acts. Did you ever notice this? That in this... Fourth chapter of Acts, the Word of God said, you know, Peter and John were taken in question after the man at the gate called Beautiful was healed. They were commanded to preach and to teach no more in the name of Jesus. And in this fourth chapter of Acts, the 23rd verse, being let go, they went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and we have the prayer But notice, in the 29th verse, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now, now hold that in your mind. With all boldness. Notice this 8th verse of the 4th chapter. Now, you see, they had set Peter and John in their midst. In the seventh verse, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? That is, the crippled man at the gate called Beautiful Heal. Then Peter, look at that eighth verse now. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice that expression, filled with the Holy Ghost. Maintaining the globe said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 
Now look at that 13th verse. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter. All right. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter. Keeping filled with the Spirit. Means keeping a bold, maintaining a bold testimony. Amen. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Bold. Uncompromising. Unquenchable testimony. Hallelujah. Bold testimony brings persecution. They got persecuted. Persecution keeps the fire burning. Hallelujah. 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 Now, notice in this 31st verse, notice that they prayed now. Grant that thy servants, unto thy servants, that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I mean, the house shook. We need some more praying like that. Now notice, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought they just got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Didn't they? Now they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. There is one initial filling with the Holy Ghost, but many refillings. And that's where folks have missed it. Just because I got filled back under. It's not past experience that's going to put you over. D.L. Moody said, People living on past experience are living on stale manna. Oh, I was saved 1919. Baptized the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. 1919. Been as dead as... A mackerel ever since then. (laughs) What about now? And listen, listen. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with meekness. Boldness. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with boldness. You know, it's all right to pray for boldness. Some of you folks need to do that. I think most of us need to pray. That we'd be more bold. You notice they prayed for it. Grant unto thy servants that they may speak thy word with boldness by stretching forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders will be wrought. You see, friends, too many times the supernatural is waning among us. Amen. But we need to contend for the faith. As Jude said, that was once delivered unto the saints. 
the supernatural should be natural with God's people. Amen? And then, how can we keep filled with the Spirit? Bold testimony. And then second, obedience. Obey God. Now turn over to the 13th chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 13. And let's notice the verse here. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice our text said, one of them said, maintain the glow. The other one said, keep filled with the Spirit. Then Paul filled with the Holy Ghost. Obeyed God. Set his eyes on him. You see, this is Elamus, the sorcerer. For so is his name by interpretation, the eighth verse said. Withstood them. Seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him and said, O oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season." And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Isn't that strange? Calling that the doctrine of the Lord. Being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. No, he didn't strike him with disease or sickness. The hand of the Lord's on you. You'll just be blind for a season. Are you listening to me? When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's that manifestation of the supernatural. But you have to obey God. Sit around and wait for God to make you do something. He's not going to make you do anything. Now we have two problems here. When it comes to the supernatural and manifestation of the Holy Ghost, and gifts of the Spirit, and so on. Some folks on one side, you know, don't believe in any of it. And some folks have seen excess, and I mean even in full gospel, Pentecostal circles, have seen the excess, and fanaticism, so they got in the ditch on one side, and don't want any of it. But then other folks, you see, have gotten way in the ditch on the other side, they wanted God to use them so desperately, and thank God they were full of zeal, but they didn't have any wisdom. Remember he said those even in the deacon's office. Not only of honest report, sure they have to have an honest report, they're going to handle their money. You don't want people with a dishonest report handling your money. Of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. A lot of people are full of the Holy Ghost, but they don't have any wisdom. I know that, I know that the Lord especially, I don't know why, I've quoted it many times, read it many times. And I guess hundreds of times. 
But you know, some, that's just the way it is with the Holy Ghost. You've read scriptures for years. And then suddenly it just takes on new meaning to you. I know just here a while back, this fall, God was moving in an unusual way in one of our services. The singers were singing. I don't think, you know, I ever did preach that night. They just sing courses that God gave them at the moment. And then some they sing. He had given them before, but they're all inspired of the Spirit. I think we had the biggest altar call that night we had. And great things happened. Healings and so on. But uh, I really saw that verse in a new light. You know there in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And then you got about the same thing, singing and making melody in the heart to the Lord. There are two things there. Turn in your Bible so you'll know it's right. There are two things I want you to notice there. First, now you see he speaks here to the Ephesians about in your own private life, home life. Speaking to yourselves. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and here and hymns and spiritual songs. Those are songs that the Holy Ghost gives you, not that you got out of the songbook necessarily. But notice here in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Well, now, why didn't he just say, Let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another? No, the word wisdom is in there. See, the Word of Christ dwells in some people, but there's no wisdom in them. Amen. And they can take the Word and misuse it. And really abuse it. But let the Word of Christ dwell in you all in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. Now, first, being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes I, I speak uh, in, in psalms, because I'm not a singer, otherwise I'd sing it, but I'd just recite it. Speak to myself. Wake up four o'clock in the morning, take an hour speaking to myself in psalms. Hallelujah. We're all encouraged to do that. But here he talks about teaching and admonishing one another. That's ministering to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now notice, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now there's two things I want you to notice about that verse. First was the wisdom part. Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom. Amen? And then secondly, notice that though you're teaching and admonishing one another, you see, if you didn't know it, then it's teaching. If you didn't know it, it's admonishing you. Hallelujah. But notice this. That's something one to the other. And yet right on the other hand, he said that it is also unto the Lord. Did you notice that? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Amen. But he also said that it is unto the Lord. Amen. 
Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's read the next verse. It'll help us. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So many times, folks have just stopped at the door. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke with other tongues all right. And thank God for that. And sometimes they keep on, go on speaking with other tongues. But I'll tell you, these people that continue to speak with other tongues and don't maintain a teachable spirit, I wonder sometimes just what kind of a spirit they have. Amen. Say amen if you can. It's all so anyway. Praise God. And so we are going to continue to speak with other tongues and sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. We're going to continue to teach and admonish one another because the Word of Christ dwells in us in all wisdom. Singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And we're going to keep on maintaining a bold testimony. You notice every time those scriptures we gave you, the scripture said, being filled with the Spirit, spoke boldly. When you're filled with the Spirit, you speak boldly. And you act in obedience. And that brings, that not only keeps you filled with the Spirit, but that brings the supernatural into manifestation. In conclusion, Smith Wigglesworth said something that in more recent days I've thought much about. Sometimes you can read something or somebody can say something and it don't mean so much to you at the moment. But sometimes in the process of time, it registers on you. I think one thing, you weren't ready for it back there. Wigglesworth said, I don't know whether it's better for one to know that they have and you'll have to qualify the statement now, a gift, some gift of the Spirit, that is, to know that that's my ministry, God uses me along that line. Now, for instance, I suppose that among the gifts of the Spirit, the nine manifestations, as we call them, of the Spirit, we call them gifts of the Spirit, they're called manifestations of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now understand this, that being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking other tongues is one area of tongues, but that's not necessarily the ministry of tongues, but tongue interpretation. That's what he's talking about in the manifestations there. But I suppose among these manifestations of the Spirit, that the word of knowledge and special faith have operated through me more than any of them. And then we'll come down to healing, gifts of healing. So, and, and, and that can be qualified as number of area there. Uh, that doesn't mean, well, do you have that gift? No, no. If I had that gift, person in my possession, I could give it to you if I wanted to. No, it is manifested. And there are certain ones that some of these things will be manifested through them more than in others. Are you listening to me now? And that's what Wigglesworth meant, where they said, I don't know whether it's best.
for one to know they have a gift of the Spirit, in other words, they're used a certain way, or whether it's best just to be so full of the Holy Ghost that He's just continually manifesting Himself to you. Amen. I said amen. Because He will manifest Himself to you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That's the way He works. All of these worketh. That one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as He wills. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Stand up. You've been seated for an hour and five minutes since I started preaching. For He is high and He is holy and you cannot worship Him with man's means. Yea, you dare not come into His presence in your own holiness or righteousness. But you must come into His presence robed in His righteousness. Come into His presence clean and holy. But thou canst not make thyself clean, neither canst thou make thyself holy. For man alone is an utter failure. But you can come into His presence because His blood cleanseth you from all sin. You can come into His presence because His blood has atoned for your sins and all are washed away. And you are made unto your God kings and priests. So put on your robe of righteousness and enter into His presence with thanksgiving and allow the Holy Spirit who dwells in your spirit to teach you to be reverent. Yea, come not with the clamorings of the flesh. There shall come a time. In fact, the day has now arrived that you will learn to worship me, saith the Lord of hosts, on a different level in which you have worshipped. Even learn to praise me on a different level in which you have learned to praise. For so much of that which has been in that manifestation among you has only been in the flesh. But now you'll come into the broad place of the Spirit. Come with a reverence. Come with a humility. Come with a desire to fellowship with me. Come not in arrogance. Come not in the energy of the flesh. But rather come with an humble spirit. Crucifying the flesh. Not letting it dominate you. Or even endeavor to worship me. As such, but come in a spirit that can only be as you respond unto the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit knoweth the mind of God, and He will lead you in the way, even in worship, as the Father would have you to worship Him. 
For He is high, and He is holy, and you come not unto Him as you would come unto man, and you give not Him applause as you would man. For you must not bring Him down on the level of man, but you must come up on the level where He is in holiness and reverence, worshiping Him and Him alone. Worshiping Him and Him alone. Worshiping Him and Him alone. And then shall the Spirit of God descend upon you like mighty rain from heaven. Mighty rivers shall flow out of you, and ye shall be known as a reverent, worshiping people, and ye shall be known as a supernatural people. For the supernatural will be ordinary with you, and it shall be said of you, as it was said of those in days gone by, they that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Hallelujah. 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 That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call one 888 283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries Post Office Box 50126 Tulsa, Oklahoma 74150-0126 and in Canada write Kenneth Hagen Ministries Post Office Box 335 Station D Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada M9A 4X3